Hey, Mike Ulmer here. The great Mark Pettipaw lent me this space to remind you that now is a great time to write your nonfiction book. I've interviewed 10,000 people. I've written 19 books, and I want to help you write yours. Here's how we do it. First, we interview you. Then we give you a detailed step-by-step blueprint for your book based on that interview. We write your thousand-word introduction, throw in some cover ideas, and suggest a title. And here's the best part. We assign a writer to help you answer all your questions for a calendar year. You're going to be so sick of us. Click the link, I want to write my book, in Mark's show notes for a free consultation. At the very least, we'll help you find your story and send you on your way free of charge. Now it's on to lessons in leadership from the stockroom to the boardroom with my friend, Mark Pettipa. Welcome everybody to this, I believe, 15th or 16th episode of the, of the little podcast, Lessons in Leadership podcast. Um, I've had some tremendous guests on this podcast and, and the goal is to always get them to share their stories. So anybody listening who's either considering becoming a leader, is a leader, is growing their career, you can learn from those other people we've had on these podcasts. And they're usually someone I admire, uh, both professionally and personally. And I I can't think of a a person who who I admire more having worked with or had more fun working with and and learned just from observing their leadership behaviors than this guy I've got on the call this week. So um, welcome everybody. Brad Baker is our guest this week on Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm going to turn this over to Brad quickly, and we're going to listen to him a lot during this podcast, but I thought I'd I'd give people some context about how I know Brad and why I brought him on the podcast, and then we'll hear him talk about his history and his journey to date. But Brad, um, Brad, I worked with at Fusion Homes. He was the vice president of operations, which means he was accountable for all of the construction and the rollout of all those communities Um, across that company's great success over the years we were there together, had a great team in the field. Um, The reason I brought Brad on this call and what I loved about Brad, Brad's leadership style was something that that industry desperately needs. You know, having been the VP of sales and client service and sadly, Brad, IT, we we both know that made no sense. Nobody else wanted to do it. Um, But but Brad as a servant leadership style is the way I define it. And we'll let him decide if that's how he would define himself. But that industry is very much, you know, pressure, 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 build down, get it done, um, verbally say what you've got to get done to get the house built on time. And Brad built his people up and really worked at skill development. And he really worked at engaging his team and getting into the field as a leader so he could observe process gaps that he could improve that he was only empowered to as a leader and bring it back to senior leadership. So I worked in that industry for quite a while and moved on to be a president in that industry and still consult with multiple clients in that industry today. And that leadership style is so needed. Um, I'm sure Brad's guys and gals appreciate it, but that's my background with Brad. And I also know Brad and we worked together for God had to be three, four years, at least Brad, I would think. Yeah. I think Um, three yeah, and, and and then Brad has a retail past like I do, but he was with a little bigger brand than I was, this little company called Walmart. Um, and, and Brad did the retail track through there and then ultimately lost prevention as an executive before he moved over to Fusion. Um, and now is with a great company called Penguin, Pingup, Penguin Pickup and is the vice president of operations. But Brad, welcome. What did I miss in your history and your career? Let's start there. 
Awesome, Mark. Thanks for having me. You know, when Mark and I jumped on this call, we both just had big smiles on our face, which is it's just cool to see you. It's, it's always fun to see you. And immediately, as soon as I see Mark or, or hear anything from you and the great work you're doing, it just it brings a smile to my face. And, and that's that's awesome. And it's the kind of person you are with everyone. So look, that was a good summary, Mark. You know, I was so happy about the three and a half years you and I spent together. I'm so happy we've stayed in touch, you know, since that time. Um, you know, I always think about as leaders, we have an origin story, um, not unlike any superhero you might read about or any character in a book or a TV show. We all have an origin story. And I think, you know, that shapes so much of who we are as people and, and as, as human beings and, and leaders and how we show up in the workplace. And so for me, you know, Mark, my origin story, if you will, and how that led my, my career path was I grew up in a very small town in New Brunswick. You know, looking back on, on that growing up, you know, in rural New Brunswick, really deep family roots. In fact, you know, I was the seventh generation uh, of my family to grow up on that, that very farmland. So that, that's cool. So, you know, I, I have a lot of really deep roots, but thinking back now as a little boy growing up in rural New Brunswick, I would never imagine, Mark, that I'd had the opportunity to do the things I'd be able to do in, in terms of seeing, you know, parts of the world and living across this beautiful country of Canada and meeting, you know, thousands and thousands of people. It just would have been unfathomable to me. But all those things have happened because I've been fortunate to work for great organizations and and have had a willingness to to get uncomfortable and, and, and grow. And, you know, so for me, Mark, growing up, um, went away to go to college when I was 17 about two hours away from home and, and never really went back after that, became pretty independent, um, worked really hard whilst I was going to school. So I learned very early, Mark, um, about the value of just hard work, if you will. And I remember I started working at Walmart at, at the Christmas period whilst I was going to college. And, you know, it was hard, man. I was working the night shift at Walmart in the layaway department at Christmas. And, and I was going to school in the daytime. And I remember, I'll just share this little story because it's a part of my origin story. I remember Mark one time walking home. I'm probably 18 years old or something. And it's a snowstorm. It's late at night. And I'm walking home after working, you know, this Walmart shift. I know I've got to go to school shortly. And I know some of my friends are partying and having fun and doing what you do in college, right? I remember Mark standing underneath this streetlight and looking up and seeing the snow. And man, I, I was in tears because I was just tired and I was exhausted and I was just working so hard. And I don't know, I just look back. I mean, now that's 30 years ago, I guess, or somewhere around that, that mark. And Mark, I just remember looking up saying, just keep going, man. Just keep going, Brad. Just You're doing the right stuff. You're working hard. You're learning while you're going to school. And I just remember that being a pivotal moment where standing there in that snowstorm and looking up and just seeing the snow coming through the streetlights is so vivid in my mind. And just having that moment where either you're going to cave to it or you're going to kick yourself in the pants and just get on with it. And, and I remember saying, you're doing the right stuff, Brad. You're putting in the right work. And that was so early in my career. And it just was a good reminder that you got to work hard and you got to you got to push through and have that kind of tenacity. So I was at Walmart, Mark, while I was going to school and I learned that I loved the art of retail. I loved merchandising. I loved customers and the interactions I had with them. I loved the people I worked with. And I was a little naive to understand the potential that might be there in an organization that, like that. And I was also a little bit naive in terms of not understanding how fortunate I was to be at a great company like Walmart. Um, and so I, I worked at it and I enjoyed what I was doing, Mark, and I was finished going to school. Um, and I started to see these people around me, mentors and role models. I think about a guy, you know, like Randy Hitchcock early in my career, who probably saw my potential, Mark, before I ever saw it. I was too naive. I didn't have any idea what my potential was. 
But I saw a guy like Randy and I was like, wow, that's an interesting role model. I'd like to be like that guy. I'd like to learn more about how he thinks. I'd like to learn how he's inspiring all of us. So early on, Mark, I learned that I loved customers. I loved merchandising and retail. I loved people. I identified role models. And I was fortunate to be be in a great organization that would harness my potential and give me opportunities to grow. Should I be willing to work hard and want it bad enough? Um, so kind of like a lot of people, Mark, I fell into retail a little bit by accident. I remember finishing college and telling my folks, you know, yeah, dad, I think I want to stick with this Walmart thing. I really like it. You know, I think there's, there's some opportunity. And I remember, you know, my dad being somewhat skeptical and saying, well, you know, you just finished school, Brad, do you want to consider something else? Or is this the course that you want to take uh, moving forward? And I said, yeah, I do. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up having a 20-year career with Walmart, and I loved every minute of it. I, I love that organization still today. And, and to your point, Mark, part of those early days, again, more of that origin story that shaped who I was is, you know, I grew up in operations. You know, I was pushing shopping carts. I was a cashier. I was growing in the organization. And I remember just early on being willing to get uncomfortable with opportunities when they presented themselves to me and saying yes to things that were going to stretch and challenge me and push me in new directions. So um, I moved around uh, a lot, got a chance to run my first store, Mark, in, in uh, Nova Scotia, a place I know that's close to your heart. Where where in Nova Scotia? So, you know, I moved around the Maritimes a lot in those early days, and, and I, I was in Halifax, and I opened up the brand new store in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, so okay. on the north shore of Nova Scotia. Um, and, you know, and I, I had a chance to open a store there, which was phenomenal because you built this thing and you get to know these people, which was fantastic. And, and you'll always cherish that. And I remember Mark at the time, things were going well. I was running the store. I loved it. You know how great the South Shore of Nova Scotia is in my world. I was like, this is everything I ever need. I never need to do anything else. This is fantastic. I love running my store. I love where I'm living. And then they came to me, Mark, and they said, Hey, Brad, look, <clears throat> we're going to open up these new formats in Canada called the super center. We're taking the food and grocery model from the U S we're bringing it to Canada. We're going to open up three stores. We're taking six store managers across Canada, five of which are in the GTA. You're the only guy that's outside of that. Would you be willing to come to Toronto and be part of that group? We don't know what's going to, what it's going to look like yet. You're going to spend some time in the U.S. learning the food business. Once that's done, and you know, you'll open up one of these stores. We don't know where it will be yet. And I remember Mark saying, gosh, that feels really scary. You know, Here I am, a kid from the Maritimes. This opportunity to move to Toronto and do something cool. And I remember feeling scared. But I said, yes. And it was a very early career lesson. And I used it ever since is when something feels scary or might be uncomfortable, I'm going to say yes to it because I knew that's where I learned early. That's where growth would happen. So yeah, I worked my way up, had that chance to come to Ontario, open up the super centers, moved out West Mark, worked out there for a while, had a chance uh, with Walmart to work in South Africa, had a chance, as you said, to lead our corporate security loss prevention and travel program across the country and and just had a, a wonderful career with a great company and Walmart's a wonderful place. And yeah, I spent 20 years there, Mark, uh, growing up in that organization and, and putting a lot of my leadership skills in the toolbox through what I learned there and what I took from that culture. And then uh, in 2017, I had a chance to go over to Fusion Homes and, and work with you and the team over there. Yeah, and I, and I want to actually transition to the next question from that because I'm interested in one of the things I talk a lot about is your transferable skill set as a leader. There are things that I am convinced you can take across any industry in any role that when you figure those out can set you up for success, even in the biggest challenges where you'd feel scared about the functional gap. If you can hold on to those transferable leadership skills, you'll be okay, it's just a matter of time. 
And I want to talk about what you think those would be that you took with you to Fusion <clears throat> to lead the way I said that industry needs to see construction teams led. But before I do that, <clears throat> I do want to touch on one thing. I love the concept of the origin story. That really resonated with me. Um, I read about that in my book, My Mom and Dad. My dad's a military guy, discipline, structure. My mom, life of the party, maritimer, make sure everybody's happy and fed first. You put those two things together, and, and that's almost the definition of servant leadership. It's, it's a process in putting people first. And, and so I love your, your concept of origin story that resonated with me. Um, I also love the fact, <clears throat> my apologies, um, getting uncomfortable and grow. Like you talked about it at the beginning, but you came back and you tied your story at Walmart in that growth opportunity of leaving the Maritimes and coming to Toronto and, no, and, and a little scared, but saying yes. Um, and I think that's really important is that balance of saying, I have confidence I can do this, but I don't know that I'm gonna be successful yet. And, and I've gotta close that gap and go for it. So I love that. And then you add the value of hard work and, and honestly, I think I needed to talk to you today, one, to smile, and two, the concept of just keep going. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're building your own business from scratch, and you're doing your own books every month, and you're doing your own marketing, and you're launching your own product, man, it can be a lonely space. Um, and I've been here before in my career at different stops and, and found a way to re-up and just keep going. And I needed that shout out today. So I love that message. I think that'll resonate for everyone. Tell me. What is it in Brad Baker's leadership skill set that allows him to go into construction from retail yeah. and still be successful and grow people? Talk to me a little bit about how you define that. Yeah, you know, I look back and say, Mark, that was a great learning for me because I went from a Fortune One company to a founder-led company. So I had to adjust in scope, scale, industry, a culture I had spent 20 years in, I, I was steeped in, I knew it so well, and, and I loved it. So I had to, it was a massive learning for me. On top of that, to your point, it was a new industry. One of the things I remember learning at one point in my career, it was why not, whilst I was running Lost Wrench and Market, I remember, you know, I did a lot of work with International then, and, and Walmart internationally at the time, some of the Lost Wrench guys, I mean, these were like second career people that had previously worked for like CIA and FBI. I know it sounds crazy, but you know, Walmart scale, right? It makes sense. These are big organizations. So I remember, you know, early in my lost wrench and responsibilities, attending some of these meetings and, and having a good sense mark of what I was bringing to that group, but also knowing what I wasn't bringing. I wasn't bringing 20 years experience working with the CIA, but I was bringing something of value from the experience that I had. So I think having a good sense of what you know, but more importantly, what you don't know. And I remember going to over to, to Fusion Homes and just, you know, thinking back on that and, and how I leaned into that industry and what the transferable skills are, Mark. I think that first and foremost, I really believe, you know, people are people and they want to be treated a certain way. They want to be inspired. They want to be cared for. They want to have opportunities to grow. They want you to give them skills and tools and I remember just bringing that with me and, you know, to your point, Mark, in that industry in particular, there's still a little bit of an old school mentality, like, oh, you know, these are, these are guys and, you know, these are tough dudes that are out here. They don't, they want to hear that stuff about leadership. They don't want to hear things about engagement or how they're feeling. Yeah, they do. They do. We all do. Right. 
So I remember just having that, the, the essence of that for me, Mark, was that people are people. It doesn't matter what you do. We still want to be inspired by the work we're doing. We want to feel cared for. We want to feel like we have opportunities. So I remember just having that passion and that mindset. And probably the, the fundamental part of all of that, Mark, that transition. So first off was having that transferable skill set about just caring for people, right? That that doesn't change regardless of the industry. People are people. And the other thing for me that was a real hallmark of that transition, Mark, and in, in being able to be successful was being really humble and very curious. And what I mean by that is, Mark, I didn't know anything with that industry. I didn't know how to build a house. It, it was foolish for me if I thought I could walk on a site and say, hey, guys, this is how we could do a better job, you know, framing this wall. I had no clue about that. And I wasn't going to pretend to. So being humble enough to know what you don't know, Mark, but having curiosity enough to ask questions, to learn it and figure it out. And that, I guess, in a sense, that's servant leadership. And I think by doing that, people are like, you know, this, you know, this Brad's an interesting guy. He's, he's asking us questions. He seems really interested to learn what we're doing or more importantly, maybe why we're doing it or how we could make the process better or easier for us and the work we're doing. So, you know, I think for me, those would be the transferable things I really took, Mark, was people are people. And we all want those same kinds of things, regardless of where we work or what we do. And as a leader, particularly if you're moving into a role that scares you, a new company, new industry, just be super humble and super curious. And I think those are things that helped me make that transition successfully. I love, I love that concept. Well, and in its simplicity, people are people. And so why should that change across industries or functionality? At, at, at the core root of every business is its most important resource, which is its people. So yeah. if you can manage that effectively, the rest is just learning on the functional side. And, and, I, and I love how you broke that down to, and I saw you do this, so I can validate that as, is that humble, which is a skill I can develop sometimes. Um, but I do align with you on the curious side because I went with the same approach with the sales team there. I had never sold a house. I had never seen an agreement of purchase and sale. Um, I was a t-shirt and beers guy. Like, you know, like that's what I did from a selling perspective in the past or print. Um, and so I went in very transparently. I didn't do the fake it till you make it. I walked into the team and said, Hey guys, here's what I don't know. Sure would appreciate it if you can teach me so I can better support you. So I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I want to watch you write an agreement of purchase and sale. I want to watch, find out how selling upgrades could be easier. And I'm going to take all that away. But to do that, I need your help. On the flip side, here's what I do bring. Right? I'm going to put a sales behavior program in place. We're going to put a recognition program in place. We're going to update the way we report out. We're going to and, and, and I love that you simplified that down to be humble and be curious. And being humble is not having to pretend. And yes. it's sitting back and let others drive as a leader and be okay with that as you can learn as well. Um, and the curious piece is asking those questions so you can close the gap as that happens. Um, awesome. I love that. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, and, and actually... Let me come back to this question because I think it's similar to the one we just talked about. Let's talk specifically, and if you want to give some people some shout outs here, please do that. Um, hopefully they're listening. Let's talk about past leaders in your life. People that you've worked for or around that have influenced Brad Baker's leadership style. Um, but I want you to start with the really bad leaders you've worked for and give me their names and addresses. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm teasing, all positive. Talk to me about the great leaders in your life and how they impacted you. I think that, you know, I was fortunate again early on, Mark, to I 
to learn about the value of having, you know, good mentors and role models, you know, and that they, in a sense, could become your sponsors and ambassadors for you and your career. And so for me, I think identifying people that I might want to model myself after or people that could be mentors and give me some career advice was really, really important early on. Um, and I still use that. I still lean into my network and, and bounce ideas off people and check my thoughts off, you know, people I admire or past leaders. And one of the things I think that was important for me somewhere along the, the journey, Mark, I think I learned, don't imitate these people. Under, try to learn how they think and why they think that way. And then, you know, you're taking bits of pieces from all these people and, and you're constantly putting new tools in your toolbox. And I remember saying, if I could do that, Mark, if I can look at the great things from these different leaders and they all have different tools and I'm trying to understand why they behave the way they do. If I can figure that out every time I do, or every time I can absorb that, I'm putting something else in my toolbox. And I always joke around, you know, with my team Mark, and say, look, that's the goal, right? We want to become leaders that have a lot of tools at our disposal, which means, you know, I can turn around the corner and, and see this particular situation with Mark or turn around another corner and see a particular situation with another person and handle them differently because I know how Mark might need that to be handled or what kind of individual he is and what the other person is. And I'm taking the right tool. Um, and I always joke around Mark and my team. I was like, what we want to do guys is we want to get to a point where we're pushing around these massive Stanley tool chests, these big mechanic tool chests versus carrying a rinky dinky little, you know, $2 toolbox around with this. And I think great leaders do that. You know, they have these massive toolboxes and they can draw on whatever particular tool they need for the occasion. So for me, through my career, it's been, I'm just taking these things from all these great leaders and role models, and maybe sometimes even the bad ones, Mark, and saying, look, I can see this behavior from this role model or this, this leader, and I don't really want to be like that. So why are they behaving like that? What's their thinking process? And how do I how do I be aware of that? So I don't fall into those same pitfalls or traps. And, you know, there could be lots, Mark, you know, I think about recent leaders and leaders I've had at more senior positions, but I even remember, I'll share a story. And this is, you know, going back quite a few years ago, there's this wonderful, you know, man I worked with at Walmart. Um, his name is Mel Passenchuk. Mel's long since retired. And hopefully he's enjoying coffee and red deer with his grandchildren and, and relaxing. And, but, you know, Mel was a great guy. Everyone loves Mel. He, he ran a, a, a tough store. And, and I remember one time having to have a conversation with Mel and it was going to be a difficult conversation. It wasn't because Mel wasn't performing. There's was just something that went wrong in his store and, you know, it had to be addressed. It couldn't not be addressed. And, you know, and I remember just fretting about this, Mark. I remember, you know, being up like the night before and worrying, like, man, here I am, a young district manager who's going in to try to have this conversation with this fantastic leader who I love and care for so much, who's been doing this for 45 years. Who am I to do this? Who am I to have this conversation? And I remember just feeling this sense of anxiety about it. And I walked in the room and I just remember Mel Mark saying, and this is a definition. He So for me, you know, it was a great example of servant leadership. And I remember walking in the room and, and Mel, I'm sure, could sense this anxiety, this, this nervousness I had. And he just he just crushed it. You know, he just took all that away from me. And he said, look, Brad, I get it. I get it. You know, the, the, this conversation, don't, you know, don't worry about it. I understand the reasoning behind it. And he goes, here's how I'll view this, Brad. He goes, if I was speeding, you know, down the Deerfoot, you know, the highway in Calgary today, and I get a speeding ticket. I get a speeding ticket, but guess what? If I don't speed again, I get an, I don't get another speeding ticket. Um, and what Mel did in that moment, Mark, is he actually became the leader for me in the sense of how he handled this. He sensed maybe my anxiety about having this conversation, and he just, I just, he just took the air out of the room. And I just remember that being a great sense of servant leadership. And what Mel did in that that case is he he exercised empathy. 
Um, he acted upon it. He tried to understand what might be Brad's perspective, what might be how, you know, what might be his feelings in this case. And, and then he just worked to, to remove that. Now, it was a small lesson, a small example, Mark, but it's something I kind of carried with me is, you know, trying to be empathetic and, and trying to remove those, those anxieties that people might feel or, or taking those kind of the, that air out of the balloon sometimes. So I just think back of that lesson of servant leadership and, and how I've been able to use something like that uh, over the course of my career since. And is there anybody on a personal basis in your life that has influenced your leadership and how you lead people that, that you've learned from them personally? So I'll get, again, I go back to the example of my mom and dad. Uh, you know, my mom taught me, you know, everybody in the room should be included and you don't understand what they're going through until you understand them. And that's going to change the way you approach them. She was always really good about that. And, 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 and as kids told us story about, you know, neighbors who struggled and not making assumptions and, and what she went through as a young girl with her family. And, 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 and that influenced how I always showed up with people as a leader to say, I'm really going to focus on inquiry before I start advocating, right? Like, let's dig a little deeper. And, and yes, that can be defined as empathy. Um, it could also be about just sincerely trying to find out where someone's at so you can best help them. Um, yeah. And dad was, you know, the lesson learned of like, you got to be organized if you want to get stuff done. Like, and you got to, you got to, you know, people, I just had someone email me before this saying, oh my God, like you didn't have to respond to the email right away. I have done that for the last 10 years. I literally, there, there's no excuse with technology today, unless I'm talking to you, right? Like if someone's going to try and reach out to me now, I'm not going to respond. But regardless who they are, what they do, I get back right away. And that personal came from my dad and his understanding punctuality is actually respect. That's what it was always with my father. It's not about us being on time. It's someone else is planning their day around us being there at that time. So you're going to be at practice 15 minutes early and ready to go and practice. Like, so dad was that. Um, do you have any personal influences that if you look back, you can go, yeah, I, I actually take that into my professional life. Yeah, I think to some degree, we all do, you know, Mark, you take those things from home, you know, the things you see as a child or as a young person, and sometimes even if it's not ideal, right, even if it's not an ideal situation at home, you know, you can either use those things to fuel you or, or they can define you negatively. But, you know, I think for me, I look back and, and I would take those lessons from from home from my parents, you know, and around hard work, you know, my dad was the kind of guy that there was no days off, you know, he was going to He's going to work every day, um, rain, snow, shine, that typical, you know, hard work mindset. I think I learned that early on that you show up, you know, if you have a responsibility to do something, you have a commitment to a job or, or, or a company, you show up and, and you do what you're supposed to do. And I think that was an early important lesson. I think that humility, I look at, you know, that the, the example from my parents was always a great sense of humility there that is carried with me. And, you know, one of the things I didn't realize until I get older, Mark, and you gain perspective on things in hindsight is. I think I learned a good deal about relating to others and maybe, I don't know if it's, I guess it's a humility, but it's, it's kind of, or sorry, an empathy is I, I look back at that example from my parents, you know, and think about my dad has this great ability to really relate to the person that is there with him right then. And I just think back to, you know, the way maybe he would reach out or, or spend time or show respect to someone that might be an elderly person in the community. And then the way he may, 
get down on his hands and knees and play with a toddler and get in their space and relate to them. And I, I think there was a great lesson there that I didn't realize until later in life around just again, having empathy and relatability to, to who the person is, you know, and I, I look back and those are great lessons, you know, my, the way I saw my dad respect and, and show empathy towards, yeah, maybe an elderly person and, and give them time and care and then go and do the same thing to a toddler or, or give me the stuff I needed when I was a teenager, you know, when I needed that tough stuff. Um, so I think, I took that and I didn't know it like most of us at the time that these were lessons, but I look back now and say, man, I learned so much about being the right person at the right time for who's with you and your audience. And that, I guess in a sense, that is a lot about empathy and relatability, but those are some great lessons I would say too, because just that the mindset of hard work, um, deliver on your commitments, you know, be humble and, and, and be empathetic and relate to, to people. Yeah. And I, and, and I think you touched on so many things there, but, at the end, you talked about, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. You don't realize it until you look back. And, and the concept of these podcasts is to help someone, you know, who's stuck and worried about the next step and, and what they can do to, to, to be successful and, and be true to themselves. And, you know, we share some functional things that we're going to dive into now, but we share some stories that people can align to. And <clears throat> it's the reason I asked the personal life question is like, when you can figure that out, What's influenced your growth as a human being personally, as well as professionally, that you've admired and works for you, you can focus on that as continuous development as well. Like when, when I wrote the book, and this is Brad the Guest podcast, not a podcast about my book, but relative story, like Mike Ulmer, who wrote it for me, we, we did interviews, it's how we co-wrote it, and then I'd edit his writing and give him feedback and we put my process into it. We, we did the launch and he said something that still sticks with me today. He goes, this isn't a business book. It's, it's not even a leadership book. It's a book about mom's, uh, Mark's mom and dad. <laughs> and he's like, and we only mention mom's Mark and dad, the beginning of the book for context on like a page and they're in the dedication. He goes, but when you look at the leadership process that he shares in this book, the behaviors that he believes allows leaders to make teams successful and great places to work, it's really about two core things. <laughs> be organized, have a plan and put other people first. Yeah. And that was mom's Mark and dad and mom's Mark and dad, Mark's mom and dad. Um, it's probably because we're so close to mother's day. I'm starting with mommy. Okay. We just passed it. Um, but I, but I, but I, I, I say that and tell that story to reinforce yours is I waited till I was 45 to understand that. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I had to lose my father to go, wait a second. Like, wow. Like I'm kind of doing what I do with work because of what I learned as a kid. And, and that's not just the reflection piece. The reason I share the, the advice on the podcast is that's a strategic piece for me now. Like I look at it and I go, wow, that's, that's what's worked for me. I got a lot that hasn't worked for me. I got a lot I still have to improve on today. But planning, process, and putting other people first, that influence has helped me get to where I'm at today. So people listening to the podcast don't don't lose sight of the fact that your influences happen outside of work as much as they happen inside of work. So that was awesome, Brad. Thank you. Um, okay. I don't know if you can put your finger on it. I don't know if you want to tell us a story, recognize a team. Looking back as the young buck you still are today, what's a highlight in your career and why? And, and, and where does leadership play a role, if at all, in it? It's interesting, you know, because to the point you are having flashbacks, PST, 
you know, I'm thinking back to all these things in, in good and bad. And, you know, I guess one highlight, one thing that's kind of interesting or cool is having opened those first super centers ever in Canada with Walmart. That's a pretty big deal, you know, and we changed the landscape. If you think about what's happened in the years that follow, we've changed the landscape of, of grocery in Canada. You know, we introduced Canadians to a new way of buying groceries. Or, and so I think back to opening up the first super center in Canada, Mark, and then operating that and the attention that came with that, you know, international attention and so on. There's a real highlight there because, you know, I think there was, you know, anytime you do something that's a massive undertaking like that, there's people that doubt you. There's people that think, you know, you can't do it. You know, Walmart doesn't really know about grocery. And at the time, you know, we were facing all those things. And so I look back and, and just think about how proud we were to open those those stores, how proud I was of the four or 500 associates I had in that location at the time, but, and just that sense of accomplishment, right? And, and um, it was a big deal. And I remember that time our, our president and CEO pulled me aside one day in the, in the store just prior to it opening or reopening, if you will, as a super center. He said, you know, young man, he was Brad, look, what you're about to do when we take, out, take down that Walmart sign and put up Walmart super center, is just as historical and significant as when we took down a Wolco sign and put up a Walmart sign. We're changing the game of grocery in Canada. And I remember that being a really you know bold statement and a big thing for him to say, but it, it was true. So, of course, there's been lots, but looking at what that group of people accomplished when we opened up that first super center was was pretty awesome. And it's funny you mentioned a couple times the pride of the four to five hundred associates. You mentioned that group of people and what they accomplished. You didn't tell the story from the perspective of here's what I did to get that done and the and and what it the impact I had. That's what I love about you, Brad. It always goes back to like we all did this together, and not just sharing the story from the win. It was the pride of all of you, right? And and I think um, you just always come from that place, and 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 that's the beauty. It's why I have you on today. Besides catching up with you. I can tell you every guest I've had on this podcast, that's how they always relate. That's how the way always relate back to success is here's what the team did. And here's what it felt like for all of us. And here's what, um, and so if people are listening to this podcast, if it's still about the check on your resume, which is important, it's okay for you to grow your career and be proud of your milestones. But if you don't get that, that check doesn't come without the support and guidance to give the team and how they feel, that resume is not going to look so hot and it's not going to feel so great. So I thought that was really, really great. Now let's, let's shift here. And, I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I'm trying to put you on the spot. What's your biggest screw up, man? And, and what did you learn from it? Are you willing to share that? Have you got one? Like, so, so for me, I always tell the story at BMO of like, we were opening the stadium and I screamed at the staff after they had a 13 hour day. And I literally thought no one was going to come back to the office because it was so not me. And I was just crumbling from the pressure of something I hadn't done before. Bolts were falling from the sky in the stands. And I was that moment of I'm in over my head. And and, and that was terrible leadership. And the way I handled it is I brought everyone in the next day and and literally apologized to all of them. And I got emotional. And the lesson I learned was, you know, stop it before it gets there. But if you've screwed up something as a leader, acknowledge it. And be authentic with your people so they can see that you truly understand it and then speak to your commitment to change and then deliver on it. What's That's my worst screw-up, I think. Maybe there's some people watching this going, Pedipal, you messed up even more than that. Don't you remember? But can you put your finger on something that you as a leader did poorly that you learned from? 
I think that, yeah, to your point, Mark, I'm thinking the same thing. There'll be people that listen to say, yeah, Brian, you messed up all this stuff, or, you know, for me or, or in our time together. But I think for me, I'm trying to think of some specific events and there are, of course, a lot. But if I think about times I've kind of got it wrong or or could do over, probably a couple examples come to mind. You know, even when I first moved out to Western Canada, I was running, you know, a large market at the time. It was the biggest market in the country. It was like a $1 billion a year market with like 15, 16 stores. It was a big, big area of the business. And also whilst I was running the last wrenching program for Walmart Canada, I probably didn't go fast enough on some stuff, Mark. And I think when I became a more senior leader, I had to really work my muscles around jumping into the pool, like just plugging my nose and jumping in the pool at about 70% of what I needed to know, or about 70% of a formed plan. And, but being okay that the remaining, you know, 25, 30% was okay. And that we could course correct if we got it wrong. So I think back to, you know, the way I might've led at first as a district leader or, or some things we might've tried to achieve as a last wrenching team uh, and operations team at Walmart Canada. And probably for where I got things wrong a couple of times, Mark was, being too slow to to move an initiative to action. And and it was maybe it wasn't because you know I, I didn't want to or didn't or was dragging my heels. I maybe was just trying to get things too perfectly buttoned down, right? And it, I don't know. I, I just think that for me it became a great lesson to say sometimes you guys you got to have a bias for action. And the more senior you grow as a leader, the more you're going to have to be willing to move to action without a full set of data or a full set of insights. That was a, those are things that I've learned. And, and now, you know, it's a muscle I'm better at, but I'm still super aware of it. I'm like, I'm very conscious of it. It's okay, Brad, let's go. Like, are you, do you feel pretty good about it? Do you feel 75% sure? Then let's go. But when I look back at my career mark, as I've gotten more senior roles, I think that's where I got it wrong. And sometimes I was looking for like hundred percent confidence in a plan before I press the button. And I probably should have pressed the button at 75% confident because that was better than waiting. Right. And so I think learning, you know, when you really need to deliberate and when you really need to form the plan to hundred versus just like I said, go and, and take action at 75. Those are, those are my mistakes, I think. Got it. So it's that balance of action versus preparation, right? And, yes. and now, yeah. you know, when do you start to trust gut and experience um, to quicker resolve an issue? And, and it's funny, we were talking about how our bodies feel after sports before we started this podcast. And, and that's golf. Golf is muscle memory, right? Like when you watch the best golfers, they have a routine, they get in and they just go and they do it and they trust that their bodies are going to remember but they got to be on the range for a certain amount of time before they go out and play. And to me, that's the preparation versus jumping into action and saying, I'm pretty much ready, I'm not ready to play, but, but I got enough of the body going that I'm going to figure this out and it's less of a risk and it's okay. If I mess up, I can course correct. And I thought you, you use those exact words. So I thought that was great on the course correction side. Um, just for the people listening to the podcast, the reason I, I asked that question you know, as you're going through your leadership journey is one of the things I think, because there's all this talk about, you know, forget about servant leadership for a moment, any leadership style, and there's a big spotlight on it today. And everybody thinks that they've got to be perfect. And the the purpose of these podcasts is to share that we haven't been a lot of us through our journey, but find a way to learn from it. You know, Simon Sinek's latest book, I believe is the infinite game. And it talks about businesses if you have a goal and the game ends, what, what's the purpose after that? And, and, and now you got to start all over. And, and the infinite game applies to leadership from my perspective as well, is you're just constantly evolving. 
So yeah. don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake, but learn from it. So if I had gone back to that BMO field team a week later, after having that moment of authenticity with them and acknowledging my error and screamed at them again, the team eventually goes, okay, buddy, like yeah. we, we can't trust you anymore. So learn from your mistakes and, 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 and uh, develop from them. And I think, you know, Mark, for me, I like that idea about, you know, leadership being an infinite game. You're consistently progressing. You're consistently getting battered. One of the things I have always felt strongly about it, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's my opinion, is sometimes I also think we get we we get so focused on, you know, fixing what might be deemed an opportunity area on our development plan or on our performance review and we have those are important things and to work on, but also you know we equally or maybe more so need to make sure we're leveraging our strengths and leaning into those. But one of the things I've always felt strongly about is, outside of technical stuff, your opportunistic areas or your kind of potential blind spots as a leader are always probably going to be the same. I think what happens as you grow as a leader is you become more acutely aware of them to the extent that they no longer pose much of a threat for you. Mark Pettipaw's opportunity areas and, and Brad Baker's opportunities today are frankly the same things they were 15 or 20 years ago because they're inherent to my personality. And it's probably the same stuff if you talk to my wife that she's going to say, yeah, these are the areas Brad could be better. You talk to my team, they're going to say the same thing because it's who I am. The difference between Brad today versus 20 years ago, Mark, is I'm so aware of those things that I recognize when they may be flaring up. I recognize when they could be, be there or they could pose risk. So they don't get in the way as much, but I've always felt really strongly that having a super keen sense of self-awareness about those opportunistic areas and, and just always being aware of them that they don't pose a threat. I guess it's that infinite game, right? You're not ever making that thing go away, but you're constantly getting better at managing it. So it doesn't become a risk. And I think, I just think that's really true. I think if you look at the best CEO in the world today, Mark, he or she has probably got the same opportunity areas that they had 25 years ago. They're just super great at managing them, being aware of them, maybe offsetting them with team members who, who have that skill or quality. So uh, it's just something I've always felt really strongly about. And I think it's that, that that goes into what you said about it's an infinite game, right? Yeah, yeah we're constantly evolving, but as you're evolving, you're getting better. And, and, and if the end or the target is just to keep getting better, you never have to start the game over and you're always impacting people, including yourself. But if your end game was, I want to be president of a company. Well, now what do you do? Yeah. You got there. So, so what do you do? Can't, you can't be more of a president of a company. I guess you could be a CEO or an owner, but, but you know where I'm going. But if it's about, forget about president, I want to grow scope. I want to grow business responsibility. I want more challenges on my leadership path. And to do that, I've got to better lead people and be better at strategy. That's constantly going to be improving and impacting yourself and other people. So I love how you sum that up. I um, what resonated with me is, you know, that same thing shows up years later, but you just get better at filtering it. My 360s were all, and the last one I actually did was with Lee at Fusion. And it was like, you know, when you're not on board with something, people can see it in your body language. And that was coming up. And I'm like, Shit, like I've been talking about this for 20 years, but 20 years ago, I would get confrontational. I would be, well, that's not right. We need to do it this way. And why are we doing that? And, and, and now it's like, so now the criticism is, well, you're so high energy and so positive about things. The thing, the time you go quiet, everyone knows you're pissed off. Okay, pardon my language. You're right, I am pissed off. Um, 
but it's filtered now a little bit. But again, in the infinite game, okay, now how's the next step? Be conscious of your body language yeah. and, and push through and get it back on the table, but do it in a manner that's non-confrontational to get people thinking. And you're right. That's one of the three core things that are my continuous areas of improvement. So I think that's great feedback for everybody listening to this. Okay, let's, we got about 15 minutes left. You've been good with your time. I, I don't want to keep it more than an hour, but I, I also don't want to end this because I think you've added a lot of value to people listening to this. Let's, let's talk about, as we wrap up, what would you tell Brad in the, in the warehouse or distribution center at Walmart, slugging boxes out the door, whatever that looked like, your first functional job that you're referring to? How would you close the gap of what Brad has learned from there to where Brad is today as the Vice President of Operations at Penguin Pick, Pickup? Can you give us a few themes for people to be focused on if they want to grow their career and be successful? I know at the beginning you talked, you know, at, at the value of hard work, getting uncomfortable to grow and just keep going. Would it be that same advice or be anything else you'd add in there through that journey? I thought about it a little bit, Mark, because I knew, you know, we were going to have this conversation. And so it gave me a chance to reflect. And, you know, one of the things I, I guess a few things I would share. Um, one is to, you know, first and foremost for me, that's been a hallmark of, of everything I've tried to do as a leader. And, and the biggest piece of advice we would pass to people is be authentic. Um, people can tell when you're not. And, and if you are who you are and you're not trying to emulate somebody else, you're not trying to do something that isn't truly congruent with who you are as a person, it really builds trust. And, and if you're practicing your values consistently, you're leading with both your head and your heart and who you are at work and who you are at home is congruent, you can accomplish anything and people will trust you and you'll build rapport. I just think that that authenticity is the greatest hallmark of a leader in my view. And it's something I've always strived to do. You know, recently I had someone on our team, Mark, as recently as just a week ago said, you know, she pulled me aside. She goes, Brad, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you know, all, everything you're doing for us and, and really enjoyed our, our, our meeting today as a group. And she said, Brad, I have a question for you. She goes, is the Brad that we get at work every day, like the guy who's here in this room with, with us, is he the same guy at home? She goes, cause I, I, she goes, I just, I want to know that. Like, is, is this the Brad? Like, is, is it always like this? I said, yeah, it is because I want to, I, I couldn't be the guy that you see if I'm not the same guy at home, that would be an incongruent, you know, thing. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't show up this way. So it's interesting. I just think that, you know, the first piece of advice I would give Mark is to be authentic and, um, if you can do that, you know, you can accomplish almost anything in terms of inspiring people and, and having them trust you. So that would be one, I think, Mark, is be authentic. The second one for me would be getting uncomfortable. When I look back at my career, saying yes to opportunities that scared me and stretched me has led me to where I am today. I talked about moving to Toronto from Nova Scotia. When I was in Toronto, they said, Brad, you want to come out and run the Calgary and Southern Alberta market for us? And at the time, the West was wild, man. It was the oil boom. The stores weren't great. It was crazy out there. No one would want to go out there. And you know what I said? Yeah, hell yeah, sign me up because that's what I, that's progression, and I want to learn and I want to hurt. When I went to Fusion Mark, I I want I went there because I wanted to know what I could do and what I could accomplish outside the walls that I was so comfortable in at Walmart. It was about testing myself. It was about stretching myself and forcing myself to go through really powerful learning. So I think that would be the second thing for me, for me is get uncomfortable. So be authentic, get uncomfortable. You know, the third one I think Mark is what we talked about earlier: be humble and curious. Be humble enough to know what you don't know. 
but be curious enough to ask the questions to figure it out and, and learn um, and be super self-aware. You know, that's really about self-awareness. And if you're humble and curious, you have a high sense of self-awareness. I think those are great, you know, great qualities. Two more quick things, you know, Mark, for me would be seek mentors and role models. Like I said earlier, you learn from all of them, even the bad ones. And, and you know, the good ones don't imitate them because that won't be authentic, right? Well, understand why they think the way they do, maybe learn what their why is. And what is those, what are those things for you? How do they show up for you? So don't imitate those role models and mentors, but learn from them. Learn, like we said, from the bad ones too, Mark. And then finally, just work hard and be self-disciplined. One of the things I think is true, Mark, is hard work will never go out of style. It never has, and it never will. And sometimes you just got to outwork other people and you got to, you got to have tenacity. You got to want it. When I was standing under that streetlight as an 18 year old kid, Mark, looking at the snow falling down on me with tears in my eyes, I could have quit. I could have moved back home. I could have decided I didn't want to work and go to school anymore. It was too much to manage, but I didn't. And I just think that hard work and self-discipline, they'll never go out of style. Staying hungry and, and just sometimes outworking people or, or wanting things bad enough, it, it accounts for a lot. So yeah, so for me, Mark, it would be be authentic, get uncomfortable, be humble and curious, find great role models and mentors, and just work hard and be self-disciplined. Love it. I uh, and, and again, to your point, sitting under that streetlight, had you have quit at that moment, you would not be on the Lessons in Leadership podcast today. Think of that. Crazy. I wouldn't have met my wife, Mark. I wouldn't be here with you today. I mean, the <laughs> great things in my life, the right. most life I cherish the most, would not be happening. You are now on a podcast that at least 200 people will see. I mean, you've made it. I, lo- I love it. I love it. It's, <laughs> this is why I miss working with you, because this is the stuff Mark and I used to do, the banter we had every day when we worked uh, together. So yeah. I miss- um, Okay, so love it. I, I won't repeat the five steps, because you did. Um, but I do want to, the thing that resonated with me in that advice, I, I really like, and you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, is you don't have to be a mirror to the mentor. You don't have to be like them. You need to focus on the behavior that you can add to your toolkit. And I was talking about Bob Hunter being one of the guys I admire the most was my boss at MLSD. And Bob is just a cool and calm customer, like all the time. Yeah. And, and and that's just not me. Like I'm, I'm just not wired that way. I get excited, man. And, and, and that brings people up when I'm excited. And yes, the downside is when I lose that energy and I need to be conscious of it, I can bring people down with me. Um, that is who I am. And I need to be conscious of the downside. But I'm not going to change to be Bob. But the behaviors Bob has as a leader, I want to implement in my toolkit. And one of the things Bob was very caring about developing people's skills. And he put it into a strategy and he sat in the back while the rest of us got recognition from those development. Those are things I want to take and I want to do for my team and my people and see them grow. When I look at my career, everywhere I've left to this day, Brad, the replacement for me has been an internal person on my team. That's awesome. That's a great Every single job I've been in. Not once have I left and they've had to go outside. That's Bob's behavior. That's what Bob did for me. Now, I'm a little more of a gong show than Bob when it comes to my emotions. Um, But how do you filter those back, right? And and again, we've talked about this. You talked about authenticity. I am always going to be the person in the room who's going to challenge things. When I think things are wrong, 
I'm going to speak up. Now the question becomes, am I gonna do it in a boardroom in front of the CEO and make them look bad in front of the rest of the senior management team? Or am I gonna take it in their office and say, I gotta tell you, I, like, I freaking disagree with this. And, and I can't keep standing by. We, we need to look at the impact on the organization. And sometimes the leader's gonna go, okay, I hear you, go try. And sometimes they're gonna go, get out of here, it's my way or the highway. But that's that balance of taking Bob's behavior and still getting to be me, whether it hurts me or helps me, that's up to me, right? And it's that authenticity. Yeah, because if you tried to be Bob, people are gonna say, this isn't Mark. It's gonna show up. It's gonna be very clear to people that you're not being authentic. Like you just tried to imitate Bob rather than right. the behavior. So I think, I think sometimes people get that wrong, right? We wanna mirror a mentor. We wanna mirror what we think great leadership is. And that's, it, I just don't think it works that way for, this, for the reasons you just outlined. It kind of disconnects you from the authentic piece and the being uncomfortable piece. You gotta, yeah. you gotta go through that process being me. Um, okay, talk to me a little bit. We got about ten minutes left. Let's let's just close up with like, what are you doing today? Talk to me about you and your team at Penguin Pickup. What's the what's the challenge? Oh, I I've loved it, Mark. We first off, you know, we're we're growing rapidly, so it's fun to be in, in such a high growth organization. Um, I really you know believe in the work we're doing. One of the things that happened for me, Mark, when I was you know moving you know moving on after my my time at Fusion was. Where do I want to go next? I want to go back into traditional big box retail. Yes, no. Um, and I started having these conversations with Penguin. I said, man, this feels like an opportunity to do some really meaningful work. And, and you know, the, the stuff we're doing is meaningful. I get to be part of really building something. Uh, so it's proven to be that. So I get a chance to, to lead a great team. I have a lot of autonomy to, to really, you know, drive the business and, and, and create a culture of innovation and include and inclusion engagement. Um, so I'm, I'm having a, a lot of fun. I've got a great team. Um, you know, it's interesting, Mark. One of the things that I've recently realized that Penguin is building a great team also takes time. So it's been about, I guess, 18 months, 20 months for me since I've been here. And when I look around the table now at my group, Mark, I feel really good about that team. I'm like, man, we can accomplish a lot. And I don't look at the team and say, ugh we can accomplish a lot if, you know, person A could just pull up their socks or we could accomplish so much more if person B could just get it together. I don't have that anymore. Um, so I've had to make some tough decisions. We've added talent. We've upskilled the talent. We've invested in our, our team. But when I look at our team right now, Mark, I feel so good about where we are. And, you know, I think that it, it just, it does take time, right? It's taken, you know, time to get here. And, um, and we had to learn to trust each other because it was a new group, new company. But I feel really great about our team right now. I think as an organization, we're doing wonderful things. This year, Mark, I'm opening about two stores per month, um, wow. which is great growth. So it's a lot of fun, and, and the team's having fun. I've got a great group of people that I trust a lot, and and, uh, and we're we're doing great things. That's amazing. Can you just for so people get context to the business responsibility aligned with all these leadership behaviors that we've been talking about for the past almost hour now? Like, uh, what's the scope of the business and the team? Like, I don't need to know your PL. That's not what I'm asking. But like, how many stores? How many leaders? Like, what does that look like? What's the size yeah. of the team? So we've got about we got 33 stores now across three provinces, and about um, I think at my direct team market about 12 people right now, and, and about 175 associates in, in our stores that are working every day serving serving our customers and partners out there. So yeah, 33 stores across three provinces, and about 175 people in those stores and about 12 on my team directly. So it's, it's growing, you know, even Mark, when I started, I think we had 17 stores and we're at 33 today, about 20 months wow. later. So it's been a, it's been a pretty fun and, and fast journey. Okay. Well, now let's talk revenue, cost of goods, margin, and EBITDA. Where, 
I mean, I just, I, I prepared a small PowerPoint for you to share all this. And I'm going to post this on LinkedIn and I really hope you enjoyed your time at Penguin Pickup. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. There's, there's clearly some scope and a great team and some size there and influence. So that's amazing. Parting thoughts, my friend, anything that I, that I haven't asked, knowing that people are listening to this in, in different phases of their career, like, hey, I just want to listen to some people and what they've done or I'm stuck or I want to grow. Anything, parting thoughts? I like what you said earlier, Mark, that leadership is an infinite game and where you should always be striving to build that big Stanley tool chest chock full of leadership tools. And, you know, the only way you do that is through observing things, learning from your mistakes, learning how to leverage your strengths, listening to podcasts, Mark, like this one, or reading great books like The 50-Year-Old Millennial. Available on Amazon today. Keep going. And I, I exactly, no, no, uh, no, <laughs> on Mark for me to say that. I just think these, this is a great example of just ways you can keep putting tools in your toolbox, but it is an infinite game, Mark, and we should always be striving and seeking to become better leaders and, and putting more stuff in our toolbox. And, you know, things and the great work that you're doing are, are examples of ways people can do that. But for me, we should just be striving, like I said, to, to be pushing around Stanley tool chests that are just full of whatever tool we need for every situation we're going to encounter. And, and make no mistake about it, that box will never be full. There's always room to add more leadership tools. So um, I appreciate having the chance to catch up with you and, and the awesome work that you're doing. That, that is awesome way to end. And I got one more thing. One, can I steal the Stanley tool chest as long as I give you credit for that? Sure. Sounds good. I, I stole Ron Tight is a guy I follow on LinkedIn that I never worked with before, but I saw him speak at an art of leadership conference. He was the MC and art of sales. These And he talks about customers no longer wanting to be pitch slapped. <laughs> and I'm like, I've always loved that term and I bring it into my sales training, but I always give a Ron a shout out of saying like when you have a prospect list and you just start calling people without any context of what their business is and who they are and what they're trying to achieve, of course you're getting hung up on because people are tired of being pitch lapped. So I take that and I steal it and I get, so now I got the Stanley tool chest that I'm giving credit to Brad Baker for. And Stanley should be paying us a marketing fee every time we mention it. But I agree. I agree. I guess it could be Mastercraft or something else. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give Stanley their, their due here on this one. And we both know how handy I am that I don't know any toolkit brands. But anyways, yeah. um, someone wants to find you, Brad, and, and, and learn more about what you're doing. What's the best place to, to find Brad Baker? I think LinkedIn is the best. I'm pretty active on there. Um, I'd love for people to, yeah, reach out if you want to talk or learn more. And I'm all, I'm really passionate about the work we're doing at Penguin Pickup and, and, and everything in there to make, you know, Canadian cities more livable and less congested and help connect people with their things. So happy to connect to talk about me, happy to connect to talk about Penguin Pickup. And the best way to do that is probably through, uh, through LinkedIn. Awesome. Dude, thanks for doing this, man. It was amazing. Loved it. People awesome. have got a lot out of it and uh, keep influencing people the way you've always influenced. You are one of the best out there, my friend. Thanks, brother. I appreciate being here and it's always great to see you. Thanks, Brad.